Hey, good morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet, woo, woo. if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gary, one of the pastors here. Anyone here relate to that in any way, shape, or form? Uh, that song was sung by actor Kevin Klein of A Fish Called Wanda fame, and the lyrics are eerily accurate, aren't they? I don't know about you, but maybe while you were sitting there watching and listening, you were thinking that he must have been spying on you because the lyrics pretty much described your past week with kids going back to school, vacations over. You know, it's, it's become, you know, for, for many of you, if I were to come up to you and say, how was your Monday, your, your Wednesday, your, your Friday, you would probably respond, busy, busy, really busy. It's become the default response when you ask somebody how they're doing. I heard it in the lobby this morning. How you doing? Busy, good busy, crazy busy, busy, super busy. It, it's an interesting conversation if you, if you stop to think about it. Because it's, that response is sort of a, a boast disguised as a complaint. And the acceptable response is veiled congratulations, you know, like, well, that's good. You must be getting lots done, right? It's good to be busy. You know what I've found? You know what I've noticed? It isn't usually the people that are pulling back-to-back shifts at a hospital or taking a bus to three minimum wage jobs to try and put food on the table who will tell you how busy they are. What those people are is not busy. What they are is tired, exhausted, dead on their feet. Now, most of the time, people who talk about how busy they are, well, their busyness is entirely self-imposed. Even children are busy now. Kids come home at the end of the day as tired as grown-ups do. Not because they've been out playing hide-and-seek until sunset like we used to do, but because they've been up since 6 a.m., rushed off to school, done homework, then after school, it's hockey, soccer, volleyball, basketball, music practice, fast food in the backseat of the car, home at 9.30, off to bed, only to get up and do it all over again. Like the song says, we're very, very busy and we've got a lot to do and we haven't got a minute to explain it all to you for on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, there are people we must see and on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're as busy as can be with our most important meetings and our most important calls and we have to do so many things and we post them on the walls. And we look at ourselves and wonder, how did life get this chaotic, right? It's, it's funny, but it isn't funny, uh, because it's not as if any of us actually want to live like this. Any more than we want to be part of a traffic jam, or a lineup in a grocery store, or a bank, or sitting in a dentist chair getting a tooth drilled. But it seems that busyness is something we collectively embrace. It's like our only option to live the lives we think we really want. It's like there's a cultural pressure that says being busy is a badge of honor. It's a sign of success. And so my inclination, your inclination, is to keep saying yes. Yes to that event. Yes to that activity. Yes to the extra hours at work that are going to allow me to make some extra money to go do the thing I want to do, but I can't because I'm so busy working. 
I read a book a while ago, a few years ago now, written by a woman named Julie O'Grady, titled Good Busy. And she wrote it to try and uncover why people are so inclined to be busy. Here's what she found. She said, there's a lot of shame and guilt surrounding time. People feel that they should do better. They feel an enormous pressure to be productive and to live a meaningful life. We don't want to be seen as underachievers. And so we'll fill our schedules indiscriminately and we just keep adding one thing after another and we generally do it without taking anything else out. I don't know if you've heard the saying, when we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. I mean, we can't do it all, but we sure try. I know I do. I constantly find myself falling into that trap more often than I'd like to admit. And I think I know why. Because it happens so easily and innocently. Here's an example. Your day is packed. You have back-to-back-to-back meetings, appointments, phone calls, deadlines. Absolutely zero wiggle room in your day. It's packed. Then the phone rings. And it's a friend. Want to go for lunch? And you think, you know what? I haven't seen them for a while. I've been stuck behind this computer or this pile of reports or a desk. I need a break. And besides, I need to eat, right? Everyone has to eat. And so you say yes. And off you go. And you meet them for lunch. And lunch, of course, takes longer than you thought it was going to take. And now you're behind. And so you jump in the car. And on the way back to the office or your next appointment or your next phone call, your next meeting, you hit every single red light between you and the office. And if that's not the case, you've hit every slow driver that's in Nanaimo. They've all come out at once. You get to where you need to be, and now you're stressed out, but you jump back in trying to get the things done that you should have got done before you went out for lunch because you said yes and you shouldn't have said yes. And the next thing you know, it's time to get the kids from school. And so you hop back in the car, you race down to the school, you pick them up so you can drop them off at all their lessons or practices that you signed them up for. And the hope is when they're there, I can just sit and relax and watch them do their thing. Yeah, right. It doesn't work that way, does it? Because when you drop them off, you think, you know what? While they're in there, there's some things I can get done. I need to get some things done. And so you run off to do just a few errands. And of course, they take longer than planned. And now you're late picking up your kids. And as you weave through traffic like a NASCAR driver, all the same red lights that conspired to make you late earlier in the day are doing the same thing again. And on and on it goes. So much to do in so little time. And at the end of the day, we're so maxed out, stressed out, burnt out, all we can do or want to do is tune out. We live with the pedal to the metal. It impacts our relationships. It impacts us us emotionally. And it impacts us spiritually. I'm busy. You're busy. But here's the thing. If we're honest, most of us are too busy. Our days are a tornado of activity, and the thought of slowing down is almost comedic. It's like, you're kidding me, right? I find it interesting. If you read about Jesus' life, 
in the gospel, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice he never seemed to be in a hurry. And it wasn't because they didn't have fast cars back then. He just took his time going place to place. He was doing what we consider the most important job in history. And although he knew he only had a few years to do it, he never ran, never rushed around. He made time to talk to people. He, he took time to consider the flowers and the birds in the air. He took time to hang out with children. Time, it seemed, was his friend. Which it isn't when you're busy. Because when you're busy, time is your enemy. It raises the question, what can we do about it? What can we do to combat, combat this pressure that is cranked up by our natural tendency to cram and jam our schedules to the max and to find some kind of calm in that chaos? Well, just as the, with the example of Jesus, there's some other people in the Bible that give us some great insight into how time can become our friend rather than our enemy. And help us find that calm. To break free from a life of often meaningless busyness. Rushing here and there to and fro. And it's to get honest about our limitations. To slow down and reflect. And think about and look at our lives from a different perspective perspective that allows us to get out of the here and the now, the things that are right in front of us that we, I've got to get this done, I've got to be there, I've got to meet this person, and take a look at the bigger picture. I love these words of David from the Old Testament, a book called Psalms. He's David of David and Goliath fame. And these words, although they're written like 2,000 years ago, apply just as well today. Listen Listen to what he writes. He says, Lord... Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows. Listen to how he finishes. And all our busy rushing ends in nothing. Moses, the guy who parted the Red Sea and received the Ten Commandments, kind of looked like Charlton Heston, prayed these words, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom to know what to put in and what to take out of our schedules, what's important, what's not important. The Apostle Paul, one of the most prolific writers in history and whose writings now make up almost half of what is now known as the New Testament, writes this, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Over and over again, this this theme shows up in the Bible, be wise with your time, be careful how you live. Reflect on what is keeping you busy. Because if you don't, 
you will reach the later years of your life with the empty awareness that much of what you spent your time on was meaningless, busy work instead of purposeful living. There's an Australian nurse by the name of Bronnie Ware. She spent several years working in a hospice facility supporting people who were in their last few weeks of life. And she would just sit there with them, and often they would share their stories with her as they reflected back over their life. And she said what they shared the most was their regrets. And over the years, she began to see a pattern emerging. And so she began writing down some of the regrets that she was hearing over and over again. And she came up with the top five regrets people had. I'm not going to go through all five. I'm just going to go through the top two. And I'm going to start with number two, which if I were just given the five and said, just rank them in what order you think is the most, like, which is the number one regret? This is the one I would have picked, but it's actually number two. And the number two regret is this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Get this. She said that this regret came from every male patient that she nursed. She writes this, she says, all of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their time on the lives of the treadmill of a work existence. The number one, the single most common regret with people was this. People said, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. This, she said, was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, which is exactly what those writers are encouraging us to do. Don't wait till the end. Look, look now. And to look back clearly on it, it's easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even a half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to choices they had made or not made. Then she finished, she said, health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. Busy will tell you to say no to this, say yes to that. And the biblical writers are saying, take a step back so you can see in perspective what's important, what's not important. You know, a few years ago, I was introduced to an ancient spiritual practice uh, called Lectio Divina, which in Latin means divine reading. Uh, Maybe you're familiar with it. We ran a course on it a few years ago when we were back at the theater, so I know some of you have taken it. But if you're here and you've never heard of it or not familiar with it, uh, we've made a handout. It's available at the info table. Make sure you grab it on the way out. It'll just walk you through it, tell you what it's about and how to actually do it. But I'm just going to give you a quick snapshot of what it's about. Way back in the third century, Benedictine monks would practice this Lectio Divina daily, on a daily basis. And the whole point of it was to help them slow down and build a daily rhythm into their lives that would enhance and increase their connection with God. And here's how they would do it. They would open the Bible and read a short passage, often very, very short, uh, like a single sentence. Uh, Often it was out of the book of Psalms, like we read out of earlier, or from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the teachings of Jesus. 
And the idea was not to theologically, you know, exegete, like rip that passage apart and find out the context and who wrote it and why they wrote it and who it was written to. The monks believed that simply reflecting on, meditating on, and contemplating over a short passage in silence and just allowing specific words to sit in your heart is the best way to stay connected to God. Instead of studying and ripping apart words, maybe the words that we read today, you know, give us a heart of wisdom, they would just read them over and over again. They just read that verse over and over again. At times out loud, at other times just silently to themselves. And they would just listen for a word or a phrase that stood out for them. And then they would write that word or phrase down or they'd circle it or underline it. Then they would just take some time and pray and say, you know, God, what is it about those words, that word that you want me to hear? What is he trying to teach me? And then they would just sit in silence and wait. And he'd write down any thoughts or feelings that they were experiencing. He'd just write them down. And I know sitting there, you're probably thinking, well, that sounds kind of Twilight Zone-ish, you know, like doo-doo-doo-doo. But it is a powerful, powerful experience. One that can be absolutely transforming. Uh, This past Thursday, a good friend sent me a link to a devotional that they've been working through. And they said, oh, this is really good. You've got to listen to this one. And it's a a mini podcast. And it starts with a song like we sing here on a Sunday morning. And then a commentator comes on and just reads a, a passage out of the Bible. And they invite you to just sit back, close your eyes, and listen as they read it. It's kind of like this Lectio Divina thing. So I click on the link, and that's when I saw that this short devotional was 14 minutes long. It's like, 14 minutes? I don't have 14 minutes. I'm busy. I got things I got to get done. And I, was, I was hovering over like, oh, just ah, delete. I don't, just don't have time. But I didn't. And I clicked on the play button. I just began listening. About four minutes in... I was getting antsy. My leg was starting to tap, and I'm thinking the emails I got to write and all this. I mean, the, the passage that the guy was reading was one I've heard countless times. I've actually spoke on it here on a Sunday morning, so I kind of knew where the story was going. So I was kind of checking out early. And just as I was about to go, yeah, you know, that's kind of cool, click, he said something. He, he read these words of Jesus that just... Boom, there they were. And it was these words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I hit the pause button. I just sat there for a moment. Just absolutely, for lack of a better word, flabbergasted. Because in my mind, I was thinking of all the things I need to get done, all the things that are coming up, and I was starting to get panicky and stressed out. And so I just sat there. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It was interesting. It didn't take very long. All that angst, all that stress, all that frenetic energy that I had just leaked out of me. And I just felt this calm. Do not be afraid. It was like God was saying to me, 
I'm speaking to the very thing that is driving your busyness. Fear. Fear that I would let somebody down because I didn't do something I said I would do. Fear that I would disappoint or be a disappointment to someone, even myself, if I had to say no to a coffee or a phone call. Yeah, it, it was a powerful moment. It changed the entire trajectory of my day. And as it turned out, the rest of my week. And here's the thing. It only took a few minutes, 14 to be exact. But when you get trapped by busyness, it's hard to find even a few minutes, isn't it? Maybe today you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I hear what you're saying. And I can sense how busyness is taking over my life because I don't have time to connect with God like that. I want to, but I just don't have time. I totally get that. I do. It's, I, I don't have this thing figured out. I still struggle with overpacking my schedule. And what generally happens when I do that is I push God to the back of the burner. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to do anything. And I'm a pastor. Life is busy. This past week is proof of that. And the last thing we want to do here at the meeting place is add to your busyness, your, your chaotic week. But we do want you to experience the peace that comes from encountering the God who loves you in your daily routine. And so next week, we're going to be sharing with you some opportunities that will allow you to connect with God and grow in your relationship with Him and with one another and do it in a way that is going to fit your schedule. Do you want to know what it is? You'll have to come next week. We're going to talk about it then at our kickoff Sunday, which is happening at the Port Theater. We're going to be laying out this roadmap of what's coming up for the fall. It's Port Theater, one family-friendly service at 1030. It's going to be a blast. There is going to be something for everyone, not only next week, but moving forward. So invite your friends. This is going to be a great time to jump in and be a part of this awesome church community family. Uh, Love that you guys are here on this journey with us. And I would just invite you to just take a, a few moments as I pray, and just just be in the moment. God, we're all busy. Uh, we just have things to do, got to get things done, uh, running here, running there. Uh, our schedules are packed, and, and with good things, with career, with family, with friends, with church, other responsibilities. But sometimes we, they get so packed, we, we can't do anything. And we freeze, or, or we, we let go of the things that are most important to us. We don't enjoy anything because we're trying to do everything. Remind us to number our days. We only have one life, one today, today. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom so we can make room to be with you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen.